Hey, good morning again, Hershey Free. My name's Nick. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And I just want to take this opportunity to wish you a very Merry Christmas. It is after Thanksgiving, so I can say that without getting in trouble. But in all seriousness, do I have anybody else out there, anybody else who is willing to admit that they were listening to Christmas music before Thanksgiving? Hopefully it's not just me, but I love listening to Christmas music all year long. And it is a great, great way just to celebrate who we are in Christ. I'm so honored to be kicking off our Christmas series this year. It's called God Reveals. And really the intent of this series is to look throughout Scripture to see how God reveals himself to humanity. We'll be in both the New and the Old Testament, and we're going to be taking a look at maybe some passages that perhaps we don't always associate with Christmas, but passages that nonetheless show us who God is as he reveals himself to us in new and fresh ways. As we think about Christmas, I think oftentimes we default to images like this. And I know many of you know that this is a picture of a manger scene or of a nativity. And perhaps some of you already have this up in your homes, or maybe, maybe there's a select few of us who have had these up since last year, and we are not willing to admit that they are now coming back around, right? Perhaps we forgot to put them away, or maybe we just put them out. But we have these in our homes, and these are images for us that conjure up God revealing himself to us. We default to these images. We default to the passages in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke and go, this is when God revealed himself to us, when he came down to earth and he lived among us, when he became human and he, and he experienced life with us. And I would say that's not wrong. However, that's not the whole story. You see, I think as we, as we look through As we look through God's word, we see that God has revealed himself to us in multiple capacities. And and when we think about God revealing himself, we can't just default to one image. We can't just default to one moment, to one time. We have to see how God reveals himself throughout all of scripture and in each of our lives. And so what I want to do today is we're going to look at how God reveals his presence to us, but we're going to do it in a non-traditional sense, perhaps. We're actually going to be in the book of Genesis. So if you have your Bibles or if you're using your phones, um, you can go over to Genesis chapter 28. And I want to remind you, too, that our sermon notes and and our study guides are available for you on hfcinfo.com. So if you want to take notes and have them like emailed to you, you can go ahead and do that online as well. But we're going to be in Genesis chapter 28, and we're going to be looking at the story of Jacob. And Jacob is somebody who is actually intricately a part of the birth story of Jesus. In fact, if you go into Matthew chapter 1, you can see that Jacob is one of Jesus's great, 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 however many greats there are to get to Jacob, grandfathers. And he's a part of Jesus's lineage, his, his genealogy, his family tree. And Jesus, his story is intricately a part of Jacob's story. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at a moment where God revealed his presence to Jacob. And so we're going to be in Genesis chapter 28, and we're going to be beginning in verse 10. So you can follow along here as I read it, or if you have your Bibles with you, you can follow along there as well. But it says this, Jacob, he left Beersheba and he set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. So taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he laid down to sleep. And Jacob had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. 
Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and the south. All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob woke up from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place! There is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head, and he set it up as a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it. And he called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and if he will watch over me on this journey I am taking, and if he will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. This is a powerful passage where Jacob has a personal interaction with God. You see, before this, before Jacob's interaction with God, Jacob didn't have the relationship like his fathers before him, Abraham and Isaac, had. In fact, in the beginning of this text, we actually see that uh, we are told that, that God is identified as the God of Abraham and Isaac. And what's really intriguing is that after this passage, when Jacob identifies with God, we actually see later passages describe God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what's really intriguing here is this didn't happen all the time. I think sometimes it's easy to to think about the Old Testament in light of of the age that we live in, where we get to experience God's presence through his spirit. But in the Old Testament, it was different. God's presence was not revealed in the same manner as it is to us today. And so for Jacob, this was a moment in his life where he experienced God in a brand new way, where God revealed himself wholly to Jacob. And it's interesting because I think as we look at this passage, we, we need to do more than just a cursory reading of it. Because I think if we just go through it quickly, we miss some of the intricacies here in the text. One of those would be like, I think we often have called this passage the, the, the story of Jacob's ladder, right? And, I, and, and that's not a wrong interpretation, but I think there is a better interpretation rather than ladder. You see, in Jacob's time period, in the ancient Middle Eastern culture, they had these things called ziggurats. And a ziggurat was a tower that that humans would construct to get closer to their God that they worshipped. And often you would have a staircase that that kind of led a spiral upwards for humanity to continue to get closer to God. Because in, in this culture, gods did not come down to their subjects. Humans had to go upwards to God. But here's the cool thing about Jacob's story. If if we were to actually take a a more pure form of the Hebrew in this text, there is a part in this text where it says um, that God stood next or above the tower, above the ladder. But really what it is saying is God stood next to it. And so what that indicates is that God came down. Rather than force Jacob to go up, God came down to Jacob. And he stood beside this tower, beside the ziggurat. And he stood there with Jacob. And what that is, that is a a beautiful moment of God revealing his presence to Jacob in a way that was counter-cultural to what other people believed about gods. Gods didn't bring themselves down to humanity. Humanity had to strive upwards to God. But here we see the God of the universe came down to Jacob 
to have an intimate conversation with him, to engage with him in a way that had never been done before. And I think as we look at this text, we can see various ways that God reveals his presence to Jacob. And I want to take a look at how God does that through some of his declarative statements that he makes, and then to ask the question, what's our response to God's presence in our lives? So check this out. I think the first thing we see is God's presence is revealed when he makes the declaration that I am the Lord. And this is really important because here what God is saying to Jacob, when he comes down to Jacob, he's going, look, you need to know who I am. I was, I am, and I always have been. I am the creator, Jacob. I am the God of the universe, Jacob. I am the savior of the world, Jacob. I have set everything in motion. I've been the the God of your fathers, Jacob. And what, what God is telling Jacob in this moment, he's going, do you understand who I am? God is saying to Tony, he goes, I am the God of this world. I have created everything, and I've come to you. And it's this intimate moment where God is just declaring who he is as he engages in an interpersonal conversation with Jacob. We also see that God makes a declaration to Jacob about giving him the land. He tells Jacob, I will give you this land, and to your offspring that will be uncountable, I will give this land to you. And what God is doing is we are seeing that God is telling Jacob, I am the God who provides. The interesting part of this text is this, is that Jacob is actually on the run right now. If you you read backwards a little bit earlier in the book of Genesis, you would know that Jacob actually stole the birthright from his older brother Esau. And this was a big deal in, in this culture because the firstborn was the one who inherited their father's estate, who would get the blessing from their father. And Jacob stole that from his brother, and it created this horrible rift between the two of them. And so Jacob took off running with only what he could grab. And we actually see that in the story, right? I mean, the man grabs a stone for a pillow. He doesn't even have anything he can rest his head on. He uses a stone. And if you've ever been camping, you know how uncomfortable that is, right? Like if you're laying down, you, you rest on a rock, you're trying to get out, ah, oh, it's just, ah, oh, it's such a pain in the back, literally, Right? But that's what he uses for a pillow. Jacob has nothing. And so in this moment, God is telling him, I'll give you this land, Jacob. I'm going to provide for you. In a moment where you have nothing, I'm going to give you everything you need. But it's important to note that when God promises that, God doesn't necessarily promise it right away in that moment. And oftentimes I think we need to step back and go, just because we don't see God's promise happening right now doesn't mean his promise isn't being fulfilled. Because we can look throughout scripture and we can see how God's promise of giving Jacob the land came true. It may not have been when, how, or in the timetable that Jacob wanted, but God met that promise and he kept it. He honored it. So we see God says, I'll give you the land. But then this big part of the text comes next when when God tells Jacob in verse 15, I will be with you. This was something huge. Because again, it was a different relationship back then with God and humanity. And Jacob now is being told by God that I will be with you always. No longer is it just the God of Abraham and Isaac. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob now has this personal connection with God. And God is saying, you are mine, Jacob. I am bringing you to myself. I have revealed myself to you, and I have called you to myself. He says, you are mine, and I will forever be with you. But he takes it a step further. 
He tells Jacob, he goes, in fact, he goes, Jacob, I'm always going to bring you back to this land. The promise I made for you, the provision I promised you, I will continue to bring you back here. And I will always be present with you. I will keep bringing you back to what I have promised. And Jacob, I will never leave you. This was huge again, because if you go back to study the cultures of this time period, the gods of this culture were temporary. They would come and go on a whim. They never stayed around and stayed put with their people. And God says to Jacob, I won't leave you. This is an amazing promise because I think as we look at this, I hope what you are hearing in this text is this, Emmanuel, God with us. In this text, we see the the, the full embodiment of God's presence, Emmanuel, being with Jacob. And this is the promise that God gives to us as well. The promise that he will be with us. The promise that he is our God. The promise that, that he will always uphold his end. The promise that he will never leave us and that he will continue to bring us back to the promises he has made to us. And right here in Genesis chapter 28, We see the embodiment of what comes in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel in the birth narrative. We see the word become flesh and dwell among us. We see the the full embodiment of Emmanuel come to earth. You see, we we can't just pick a part of scripture and just take that part We have to read it in its entirety because if we just look at at, at Matthew and Luke's gospel text of the birth narrative, we go, oh, this was God's plan B. But we see here, no, it wasn't a plan B. This was God's plan from the beginning for him to be with us. God desired a relationship with humanity from the very beginning, from the garden through the nation of Israel and to all peoples through his son. In fact, we see here in this narrative that, that God actually tells Jacob that through his offspring. God will be present with the world. Emmanuel, God with us. You see, Christmas isn't isn't just one story. Christmas is an embodiment of Christ coming for us, of his presence being revealed as we celebrate the true nature of our Savior. And so as we look at the way that God reveals his presence to us, to Jacob as well, we need to say, how do we respond to that presence? Because I I think if we just go, that's great, like God revealed himself, then we will relegate Christmas to a day or a season or a time of year. And that's not what we should do. When we understand the full scope of Emmanuel, of God revealing himself to humanity, it should change who we are, and how we live. It should embody our lives fully. Christmas shouldn't just be a celebration or a time. Christmas should be how we live in light of God's presence being revealed to us. So how do we live? How do we respond to this? I think first we respond in a way that Jacob did. By reflecting and acknowledging who God is. And I love this. I love that when Jacob wakes up, His first thought is surely God is in this place and I wasn't aware of it. And then in verse 21, we read this. Jacob, he says, look, if I can return to my father's father's household, then the Lord will be my God. You see, Jacob acknowledging and reflecting on who God is. He goes, God's awesome. God is here. I wasn't aware of it, but but do do you understand that God's presence is here? 
And that shapes his entire life because at the end of his, his reflection and acknowledgement, he goes, God is my God now. You see, when we become aware of God's presence, it changes it changes who we are. It changes how we engage with, with this world and how we see who God is because we go, do you understand that the Savior of the world, Emmanuel, God with us, he came for us. That God revealed his presence to, to me, to you. So he responds by reflecting and acknowledging who God is. God, you are the savior of the world. God, you are awesome. I didn't, I didn't fully understand, God, that you were here, but I do now. And I think when we respond to God's presence, we need to reflect and acknowledge who he is. But I think it's also in declaring God's glory and his greatness. And we see this in verses 16 through 18. Jacob goes, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate to heaven. I mean, Jacob is just so blown away by this understanding that Emmanuel, God is with us, that his only response is to go, God, you're awesome. God, I, did, I didn't fully realize, but, but you met me here, God. God, you came here and, and you, you embodied yourself before me. And you chose me, God. And he just declares how great God is. And I think when we understand God's presence, we respond to it by declaring how great he is. Whether it's in song, whether it's in word and prayer, whether it's by how we live our life, we declare the glory and greatness of God. But I think we also can take this a step further as we look at Jacob's life and we can leave a legacy of God's presence. I love the fact that in verse 18, that it sounds like Jacob tried to go back to sleep after waking up from that dream. And now I'm assuming he probably didn't sleep much because I don't know at that point, like if I had been Jacob, I probably would have been too excited to, to like uh, just in my head, think about that moment with God to, to actually get rest. But it sounds like at some point he tried to lay his head back down on that rock. And in that morning he woke up and he, and he looks around and he goes, I need to set up a legacy of what happened here. Remember I had said that, that Jacob at this point in his life, he had kind of been on the run because he had stolen the birthright from his brother. Jacob had nothing. And as he looks around, he goes, I don't, what do I have that I can use to leave a legacy to God? And he goes, the stone. The stone that I, I used as my pillow. Because I don't have anything. He goes, I, God, this is all I have. And he puts the stone down and he gets some oil and, and he covers the oil over the rock and he leaves a legacy. He leaves a, a testimony to what God has done in his life for others to see and for himself to see. And I think for many of us, we can look at our lives and we can acknowledge that there have been moments in our lives where, where, where we met God in a very intimate way whether it was when we, we first started following him. Maybe it was at your baptism. Maybe it was when you saw God show up in a big way and answer a prayer request. Maybe it was in a, pro, a way that God provided in your life. But much like Jacob, we have that moment where we can go, God met me here. And I would encourage you to leave a legacy to that. To think about how am I, how am I leaving something or putting something in place that shows how God showed up in my life. 
Parents, I want to speak specifically to you. This is an awesome opportunity for you to share with your kids, whether they're little kids or teenagers or college students or adults. This is an awesome opportunity for you to share the legacy of how God has shown up in your life with your children. To be able to say, this is what God did. To leave a legacy of how God has worked in your life to help them to see how God is working in their life. I can only imagine that, that later on when Jacob returned here with his family, I can only imagine that, that he looked at his kids and he was like, hey, come here, come here, I want, you, I want to show you something. Do you see that? And I can picture the kid going, yeah, uh, dad, it's a rock. I, like, there's lots of them. And he goes, no, 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 hang on. Like, guys, this, this rock was actually my pillow. And they start giving their dad that weird side eye, like, okay, dad, like, I was going to sleep well last night, you know, he's kind of getting older. But he goes, no, no, hang on, guys. I want to tell you about the time that God met me here, that God came down from heaven to meet me a thief who stole the birthright from my brother to try to get a leg up on him. And God met me here. And he's my God now. And this rock, it may not look like much to you, but this rock is a testimony. It is a legacy to how God met me in one of my darkest places. And he showed me his presence. He became Emmanuel to me. And I can only imagine what that conversation between Jacob and his kids looked like. What a testimony to who God is. And for you as parents, for us as individuals, to be able to tell people about those moments where God met us, where his presence, we just fully, just fully embraced it and experienced God with us. It's an opportunity to leave a legacy of God's provision in our lives. But then I think the last thing in how we can respond to God's presence as we look at Jacob's story is by living a life of worship and offering. At the end of this passage, Jacob begins to say, you know, if God will be with me, if he'll watch over me on the journey I'm taking, if he'll give me food to eat, clothes to wear, so that I can return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone, the stone I used as a pillow, will be set up as a pillar and will be God's house. And all that I have, I will give you a tenth of it. It is an awesome response because we see Jacob going, God, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're really going to be the, the God who revealed your presence to me, the God that made those promises to me, then you're my God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and me, Jacob. If you are truly Emmanuel, God with us, with me, that I'm going to honor you. And what we see Jacob doing is saying, God, if this is who you are, I'm going to live my life for you. I'm going to give back to you what you've given to me. My life, God, is, is going to be a life of worship because I'm going to live every day acknowledging Emmanuel, God with me, God with us. And I think our response to God's presence in our lives is truly to live a life of worship and offering to him. I don't think that that means that every conversation we have with people here on out is we are singing joy to the world to them. I don't think that's what Jacob is getting at here. What I think Jacob is saying is, God, I want my life, I want my speech, my actions, 
I want what I do with all that you've given to me, God. I want people to see your presence in that. I want people to have that same interaction with Emmanuel that I have had. And I think, I think as we look at the Christmas story, that should be what Emmanuel does for us. It should move us to leave a legacy. It should move us to respond and acknowledge who God is. It should challenge us to declare his glory and his presence, and it should make us live a life of worship and offering to God. But if we get stuck on Christmas just being a day or a season, I think we are missing out on the fullness of Emmanuel. We're missing out on God's presence with us in all moments. And I think that's where Jacob's story is such a beautiful representation of God's presence with us. You know, it's interesting. It is interesting that there are parallels between this passage in Genesis 28 and Matthew 28. Because where God here tells Jacob that I will be with you, as Jesus is getting ready to leave his disciples, he says, I will be with you even until the end of the age. I don't think that was by happenstance. I think that was very intentional by God to show us that Emmanuel is not just when Christ was born. God's presence being revealed to us is every day. And so may we live in that way. And I think a real practical way to do this, to help us to recall these things to mind, is this. When I started off, I showed you a picture of a, of a manger scene or a nativity. And I want to show you another one. This one's a little bit different. Gone are all the other objects. It's just the manger. Just a feeding trough that our Savior was put in. And here's what I want you to do. If you're online on our notes page right now, you're probably seeing this at the bottom of the page. I want to encourage you, whether you, you, you can download it and save this image or you can screenshot it, I want to encourage you to take this image and do something with it. Use this as an opportunity to leave a legacy, to track the moments where God met you, where you experienced the presence of God, Emmanuel, of God with you. And maybe it's by you know, taking this, this image and, and making it the background on your phone. Maybe it's by printing it out and on the back you, you write out moments in your life where, where you experience God's presence and you put it maybe in your Bible as a reminder to you. And, and those other times that come up in the future, you, you, you keep writing them on the back of that paper. Or maybe it's an opportunity for you as families to print this out and to sit down and say, hey, let's talk about moments in our lives as mom and dad where God met us and let's talk about it as a family where we see God showing up in each of our lives but also in our family as a whole. Let this be an opportunity, a tangible way to remember that God is with us, that his presence is with us, that Emmanuel is with us always. We don't just call Jesus Emmanuel on Christmas. God is with us always, for he is our God. He's our hope. He's our Savior. And by understanding God's presence fully, that changes how we live in light of the baby who was born in that trough, who grew into a man who hung on a cross 
to be the payment for the debt we couldn't pay. And then defeated death and rose in fullness to be with us until the end of the age. That is Emmanuel. That is God's presence here with us. May we live every day in light of that truth. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much that you are Emmanuel. That through you, we can experience a presence, a relationship like no other. Father, thank you for coming down when we couldn't go up. Father, thank you for sending your son and desiring a relationship with us when we've turned our backs on you. Father, may the truth of your presence being with us, the truth of Emmanuel, shape how we live our lives, how we engage with others, and how we lead outwards and celebrate Christmas each and every day. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Hershey Free, I just want to again say thank you so much for joining us. And again, Merry Christmas. And we can't wait to be able to fellowship with you again next week. And just a reminder, you can head over to hfcinfo.com. We have a ton of great uh, resources for you there. Again, the sermon questions and study guide is up there, um, as well as the sermon notes. If you didn't find them in time, you can go on and still get them now. Um, And we just want to encourage you to head over there and to find all those great resources. Again, Merry Christmas. Have a great week.